Hello, 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 everyone. Uh, welcome to another episode of the Barely Bookish Podcast. We have a lot of great stuff happening this week and like a lot of things to talk about before we get into the episode. So just to start off, um, our newest episode on Patreon is going to be coming out on Friday. It's going to be over Bridget Jones' diary um, with special guests, uh, the both the co-hosts from What Beyond Measures podcast. So please, if you are interested in hearing us discuss that movie and discussing how it pertains to Pride and Prejudice, please go subscribe over on patreon.com slash rarelybookish and you can get exclusive monthly episodes um, starting at ten or at the $10 a month tier. And I really hope you guys are liking those. We've got plenty planned out for the next few months, so that's going to be really, really exciting, and I really, really hope you guys are enjoying them. Also, um, on Thursday, we have our brand new D&D campaign. I'm going to be in a D&D campaign for the very first time, and that will be streamed over on twitch.tv slash rhapsodicgeeks. Um, I will post a link to that in the show notes, as well as share that on my Twitter account. So if you want to check that out, uh, head over to twitter.com slash barelybookish. I think that's how that works on Twitter. Um... And then you will be able to see that tweet and get a direct link there, or just go over to Rhapsodic underscore Geeks on Twitch, and you can see it there as well. But that starts on Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern, so I am very excited about that. I've never played D&D before, so it should be a great campaign for people who have never played, um, and it'll be a great way to jump in for the first time. We will also be having our next book club pick coming out soon. So we are picking right now, um, and we'll have it announced by the time this episode comes out, but as of this recording, I don't know what it is yet. Um, I'm thinking it might be Priory of the Orange Tree. I think I said that right, but not sure yet. But that's kind of all the great things we've got going on this week. So very excited, but without further ado, let's get into the episode. everyone we are back with another episode on sense and sensibility and i'm joined once again by my wonderful cousin allison hello and we are on chapter 40 which is spicy no chapter 40 inherently is not actually spicy it's just i'm just it's a train wreck is what it is (laughs) literally so mrs mrs jennings and eleanor are talking and basically it's a giant miscommunication from where we ended last time which is um you know colonel brandon and eleanor talking which made mrs jennings think that um they're engaged uh mrs jennings leaves and she's still thinking they're absolutely engaged but has promised not to say anything and eleanor's writing to edward now but isn't sure where to begin and then because she had happened to mention to Mrs. Jennings that she needs to talk to Edward right away. And Mrs. Jennings thinks it's because they want a priest to officiate the wedding. She's like, that's kind of weird. He's not ordained yet, but you know, who am I to judge? And then, (laughs) well, and they have this like terrible sitcom moment almost where like they're having a conversation, but they're talking about two different things the whole time. (laughs) I know. I like cringed when I read it and I I knew exactly, I knew it was going to get cleared up. 
but it, it went on the entire chapter and yeah. I really didn't think that was gonna happen I know it was really funny though and then Ed, Edward walks in the door he's like well Miss Jennings just invited me in and said you needed to talk to me and Eleanor's like I really didn't want to talk to you face to face but okay and then <laughs> it's because Colonel Brandon left me with this terrible task literally I mean it's a nice task but it's like Eleanor doesn't want to be the one to say anything it's like when you wanted to write a thank you note, but your parents made you call. Yeah, literally, though. That's exactly what's happening. <laughs> so Eleanor tells him about Delaford, and Edward is, like, super shook. And it doesn't seem that Edward super loves how close the house is to Colonel Brandon. And I'm at that point, I was not sure why, and I couldn't tell if he liked this idea or not. I think he's just sketched out of why is this man who barely knows me is helping me that much because it's like a huge yeah. offer even though the living isn't great yeah he's doing it just out of the kindness of his heart that's true because they really don't know each other at all and Colonel Brandon's just trying to be like a solid good dude because he feels kind of bad right like they're both I mean they just see each other as fine young men so ah uh, yes fine young men capital 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 fine, capital young, capital men. (laughs) Yes. So Edward says he's super happy and he's going to thank Colonel Brandon himself. And then Mrs. Jennings comes home and they've brought up their miscommunication again. And then like basically Mrs. Jennings says something about them getting like why would they wait to get married? And Eleanor's like, wait, what are you talking about? And then they clear it up. And then most Mrs. Jen- both Mrs. Jennings and Eleanor think that Edward and Lucy will probably marry uh, with just the 200 a year. Yeah, this, uh, I was uncomfortable for how long the miscommunication station was rolling, but I mean, it was like a full day. It was a full day where Mrs. Jennings also kept her mouth shut, which I was impressed. True, literally. But I know, like, the fact that Mrs. Jennings is like, well, if you really want me to keep it a secret, fine. I was like, wow, okay. It's because she actually loves these girls. Yeah. See, so, now I feel like, now that we're done with the book, how much do you love Mrs. Jennings? I like her a lot. I feel like she's like a little second mother, and it makes me happy. She's just so, like, she means well. Yeah. She's just so rough around the edges, and I love her. Yeah. Like, I don't think she gossips with negative intent at all no i think it's just she's into knowing about everyone's lives yeah like she's so outgoing it almost hurts <laughs> yeah honestly though right so chapter 41 <laughs> writing reading these notes are painful oh well, the beginning of this happen. is funny <laughs> like it's just so now that I've read the entire ending, I'm just reading back my notes and I'm just a little pained by the way I wrote them. But like, we'll all experience it together and then we'll laugh about it at the end. I think it's good that you're, like, you were almost completely blind into this whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, that made it a lot more fun because I didn't know, like, with um, some of the other books, like, I knew a little bit, like, I knew some characters were important, but this I knew absolutely nothing about the book at all. So that's fun. That's kind of nice. Yeah. See, like so, I kind of had, a, I had an idea of what was happening almost the entire time. Yeah. So you don't get that fresh eye experience that I just got. 
There was a twist, though. Yeah. That was different than the movie, which we did our... We have never spoken about the book before we talked about it on here, but this time. Yeah, this time we had a little call chat because I was I was upset, which we will talk about when I get there. But because I'm trying to keep it as no spoiler as I can. But um, my chapter 41 note, I mean, no spoiler by not getting ahead of myself too much, but you know. No, I got you. Lucy and Edward are super happy and excited, is my chapter 41 note. Well, I mean, as far as everyone knows, yes. <laughs> yeah. It just hurts a little bit. Uh, and then Lucy is super grateful to Eleanor and is basically worshipping Colonel Brandon. Like, they really play up how much of a suck-up Lucy is. I can't stand her. Literally. Literally. She's awful. I hate She's her so, so much. much more maniacal in the book. Like in the movie, she just kind of comes across as a ditz and yeah. like very I don't know. It's like it's it's a ditziness, but it's also just like immaturity. Yeah. And you know, lust. Yeah, but I don't think she would be immature, you know? Like if you think about it with the way like, she's old enough that she shouldn't be immature. So oh, I, I mean, there's plenty of people that are old enough, old, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think she does, She wasn't raised well. Yeah. Yeah, they make that pretty clear, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I mean, it hurts a little. She's very catty in the book. Oh, yeah. Very catty. And she gets worse, but we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. This podcast is basically just, we'll get there. Yeah, that's like the tagline of this whole thing. I know. So, no one has seen John or Fanny in a week, and Eleanor feels sort of obligated to go, even though she really doesn't want to at all. I laughed so hard at this part. Like, it's it's one of those parts in the book that isn't funny, and I couldn't help but laugh. I know. Like, she she has to go because she thinks it's the right thing to do, and she's like, come on, Marianne, come with me. She's like, hell no. And <laughs> yeah, Marianne's like, <laughs> I'd Jennings, rather die. Mrs. Jennings can't even be brought there by her own curiosity because she hates Fanny that much. Literally. Yeah, so Eleanor's by her lonesome. And then John says that he heard about Edward getting a living from Colonel Brandon and he thinks this is somehow fake and that Colonel Brandon actually sold the living because everything is about money to John. Literally everything. John is so funny too. I feel like he's like we talked about this before, but, like, in my Big Fat Greek Wedding, when it's, like, the husband's the head, but the woman's the neck, like, that's mm-hmm. so him, but, like, but, with yeah. every, every other person, like, he thinks he knows what's going on, but he literally has no idea. No, no idea at all. <laughs> so, Eleanor tries to convince him otherwise and asks if Eleanor, um, and asks Eleanor not to mention any of this in front of Fanny, because she, like, knows, but she does not want to talk about this. And John is also trying to say that Mrs. Ferris is one of the most affectionate mothers in the world. He worships that woman because she gives Fanny a bunch of money. Yeah, literally. And I'm like, that's kind of bold to say, right? When uh, she got rid of, she like disowned one of her kids, but okay, I guess. (laughs) Mama Ferris is a little psycho. 
Absolutely. I just, I don't know. Anyone that can like disown their kid because the kid wanted to eat their dreams is just a terrible parent in my book. I mean, what they did was disrespectful, technically. I mean. In the day. When you think about it, he knew she wasn't going to approve. So it's like he only hit it because. But he's young when he gets engaged and resents his family. Yeah. I don't know, man. I don't know what the right thing to do is. I just think that was a bad move on Mama Ferris's part. Oh, for sure. I'm not saying she's normal. <laughs> yeah. So now Robert is supposed to marry Miss Morton. Literally. <laughs> They're Mama like, all right, Ferris. let's just trade like, spaces. I kind of feel bad for Miss Morton. We never meet her, but like, is she okay with this? Like, she's the one that really gets shafted. Yeah, I just think it's funny that no one ever like speaks to her, and they're just like, okay, well, obviously this is a minor inconvenience to you, so we're just gonna switch your husband for you. Hope that's cool. And, I mean, like, they're marrying for money anyway, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, I guess it doesn't matter. But like, could you imagine being married to Robert? Dude, Robert is terrible. In the He's movie, the he is definitely very accurate. Like, really? very. Mm-hmm. John tells Edward that um, Mrs. Ferris told him uh, that she, she would have preferred Eleanor over Lucy as she would have been the lesser of two evils. I John died. This like, it's a great thing. And Eleanor's like, I literally don't care. Like, John has no, no chill. He doesn't understand how stupid he is. Literally. So Eleanor now has to talk to Robert and he's laughing at Edward's misfortune. Because Robert only cares at the fact that he's getting more money. I know. He's now he's considered like the eldest son for some reason. Because Because like, he'll inherit. Yeah, his brother d- is disowned and they're like, Oh yeah, here you go. Now you get everything. And he's like, forever. His name is um Toothpick toothpick case douche literally that's absolute fact he's the worst and then robert says he was the first to disown his brother dude robert is like (laughs) i hate robert (laughs) (laughs) i just i don't even have words for robert because he's just such a trash bag He's, like, worse than John because he knows how terrible he is. Yeah. He's just a tool. He's a tool. Absolutely. Like, I... Toothpick case douche. Yep. Retweet. Just hard retweet. Mm Mm-hmm. He kills me. And then he goes on to tell everyone, or not everyone, but Eleanor, how much Lucy is ugly and, like, all this (laughs) kind of stuff. He's just like, come to mention it. I hate everything about Edward and everything in his life. I know. And he's like, that girl he's marrying that I've never met? Hideous creature. <laughs> like, all right. I think he actually to- has met her. He has met her at this point. Oh, yeah, because she stayed with them for like a literal day. Yeah, and then she got too comfortable, and then her sister's like, oh, you love her now? Well, <laughs> guess what? Fun fact. <laughs> and the only reason that they invited her over is because Fanny didn't want to invite Marianne and Eleanor over. Yeah, and then and then John tries to pretend that, like, in reality, they wanted them to come over instead. 
Yeah. Oh my gosh. So chapter 42. Uh, John and Mrs. Jennings both think that uh, she's going to end up in Delaford, and Lucy invites her to visit, which annoys her. <laughs> she's like, I'm not going to Because Lucy does it. it with contempt. Yeah. Yeah, she does everything to be shady, because basically at this point she's like, oh, I won. Blah, blah, blah. So, you know. Yeah, she's fully aware of there being some sort of history between Edward and Eleanor. Yeah. For sure. She's just doing this because she knows it's going to make Eleanor mad. So she just, she basically wants to show off her happy little home with Edward. And then she can like parade him around the entire time. It's just so annoying. She's a special type of person. Honestly. So everyone has set off for Cleveland now. Marianne is sad to leave London, but Eleanor doesn't really mind and is rather excited to get away from Lucy. Well, Marianne does her little, like, graduation goggles moment where she thinks that, you know, she's glad to be leaving, but she admires beauty. Yeah, she's like, oh, I will never see this house again. Does that whole routine. She's so weird. I like her. Yeah, I think she's funny. Very dramatic. I love it. And then as soon as they arrive, Marianne is in, like, great spirit. She starts walking around the grounds. Everyone's having a good time. Colonel Brandon shows up the next day. Um, and then Eleanor's watching and thinks that Colonel Brandon really likes Marianne. And then this is, like, the first time where they say that Marianne has a bad cold. It's because she keeps going out for walks. Yeah, and then, like, at night. Yeah. So she... Okay. Your immune system's already down because you've been crying and not eating for like a month. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, I'm just going to go out when it's negative 30 out and see what happens. Because I'm pretty sure it's like the middle of winter too, right? Because it's January. I don't know if it's, uh, Charlotte no, it's has a baby in January, so it can't be much after that. Yeah. See, I think it's either like late January, early February, but like that's winter. So it's cold out and it's because it's in England, so... Yeah, she's not the smartest with that kind of thing. Because that's close to Michigan temperatures. Yep. So. Well, and London, not just London, but England itself gets a lot of rain. Yeah. So it's it's probably snowy. Probably pretty yeah. snowy. So yeah. chapter 34. Marianne is trying to prove that she's actually not sick, but is very obviously sick. <laughs> and she's like trying to go about her day. And then it gets to the point where she can't even stay sitting up. So she has to return to bed. And they finally send for a doctor after like two days of her being sick. So the doctor right. com- comes and he mentions that she has an infection. So Mrs. Palmer, who has a brand new newborn baby, is like, yeah. oh, I, got- I gotta go. I gotta take the baby out of here. In the movie, she like flips out. Yeah, really? Yeah, it's really funny, actually. <laughs> and I mean, I don't think she flips out in the book. I think it's more like one of those things where, like, she's a first-time mom, and she's like, ooh, okay, you can stay here. I don't mind, like, don't feel like you have to leave, but I'm just gonna go. We're just gonna get the hell out of here. <laughs> <laughs> and then she's like, peace out, bye. It's nice been seeing you. Okay, I'm gonna go now. Right. So she goes and leaves and stays with um, their family friend that's, like, not that far away. Like, 
think they said like two miles away or something i just kind of feel bad as they were literally in their own house for like three days and then then uh oh max and then they're like all right peace and marianne has no idea yeah but she doesn't care because she mostly just cares about herself at this point so yeah i mean when you're that sick i really would not be thinking about many other people besides myself i'd be like the pain yeah that might be true she really yo-yos too yeah so they were supposed to only stay like a week and now they have had to postpone going home until marianne's feeling better so to which marianne is just devastating yeah, she's like i want to leave i want to go home and like Eleanor's that's half like, the reason she's so excited to be at cleveland is the fact that they're closer to home yeah and eleanor's like dude you're not in a good spot like uh we cannot right and then after a day mr palmer leaves to go stay with his wife and colonel brandon's like should i leave or and mrs jennings does not want to separate eleanor and colonel brandon because she really thinks this match is going to happen sometime soon and so she's like please stay i need you as a personal favor to me please stay with us and mr palmer okay yeah he's like okay (laughs) and mr palmer's like yeah please stay uh it would make me feel a lot better if there was someone here you know mr palmer's like can i stay too (laughs) yeah he's like i don't want to go i kind of like him i don't know why i don't know i he sucks it's, he's just so weird as a character because it's like he's not a bad person and he doesn't mean badly, you know? He's really not even that necessary. Yeah. True. He's just so weird. But yeah, so Colonel Brandon stays. <laughs> and then Mrs. Jennings seems to think that Marianne is never going to recover and also convinces Colonel Brandon that, like, Marianne's dead right now. <laughs> She's so dramatic. Yeah, literally. And then on the third day, the doctor comes and says that Marianne's doing a lot better. And, like, Eleanor's like, hope. And then at that night... <laughs> hope! <laughs> I was worried my dog was just going to run up and jingle. <laughs> I was just thinking that. I'm like, I hope hope you hear that. Should probably do like the little ear flick up thing and then like lay back down. Oh, for sure. Um, by that night though, Marianne is not doing well at all. She has a really bad sleep and then she's like delusional when she wakes up and is trying to figure out when their mom's coming. And like, this is at like midnight and she, Eleanor is like watching this. She immediately runs down to Colonel Brandon because like at this point, Eleanor is like, this girl ain't gonna make it like she runs down to Colonel Brandon and to see if they can find a way to get their mother there now and he says he's going himself and they also love it yeah literally Colonel Brandon whips his hair back and goes onto his horse I know he's like I'll be back he's actually going in a carriage but yeah but like I want it to be more dramatic than that (laughs) it's raining outside and he runs out there (laughs) I know you can hear like the hoof beat going through the mud yeah <laughs> a montage <laughs> yeah. and the horse's hair while colonel brandon's hair is like whipping in the wind yeah they're whipping synchronized yeah. <laughs> absolutely he has some sort of cloak that when the scene cuts and changes it flashes like all yeah. in front of the camera <laughs> it is like the transition <laughs> yeah <sighs> oh my goodness so <laughs> The doctor did not get there until 5 a.m. 
And then he's like, okay, I guess I'll try a different method of treatment. And I'm like, dude, like, could you have not gotten there five hours ago when everyone was pretty sure she was going to die? Or like... I'd love to know what they're doing. In the movie, they show it as bloodletting. Yeah, they don't say. That's probably what they were doing. That or cocaine. (laughs) That or drugs. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, those are the two options. You either bloodlet to let the ghosts out of your blood or cocaine. I'm sure they have other like natural things that they're trying to do because this is an apothecary. True. True, true. But I just in my head I'm like come on Jane let's get a little more detail. Let's add some spice. The only thing I know about the 1800s is bloodletting and cocaine. So, Literally my only options. <laughs> yeah, that's all, all I, I know. know. That and leeches. Oh and what was, what was the other thing that you petticoats or something petticoats yeah probably (laughs) cocaine bloodletting leeches and petticoats (laughs) i love it all i know be um (laughs) so after three hours the doctor came back looks at marianne is like oh that didn't work so then he tries something (laughs) oh shoot i don't know anything i'm doing (laughs) he's like huh weird the ghost didn't come out of her blood. Hmm, what should I do next? Cocaine. <laughs> Carefully lines up a line. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, all right, honey, I'm just going to need you to breathe this in. <laughs> oh. So about noon, Marianne is getting some of her color back. Um, and she starts to look even better and better. And the doctor says she's completely out of danger. And she falls into a calm sleep at 6 p.m. Let's talk about the fact, though, that this doctor doesn't know what he's talking about. I know. <laughs> Before he was like, ah, she'll be fine. And then she got a lot worse. And now he's like, no, but really, this time. This time. This is the one. Yep. I just, my favorite thing is every time I, they say in a book that, like, the person's getting their color back, I always imagine that they went into, like, black and white on the screen. And then they, like, <laughs> slowly add back, like, saturation. Oh, Yeah. That's basically what's happened. Marianne yep. is black and white. So a carriage is coming up at 8 p.m. And like Eleanor's like, oh, that's kind of weird. Like they got here super early because she's expecting it to be her mother. And they're not supposed to be here till 10 p.m. And then it's Willoughby. And he's just there. <laughs> this is the moment that Rachel called me. Yeah. And was like, um literally what (laughs) i i called you i was two sentences into the next chapter because i just i couldn't i kept reading and i kept putting it down and just getting angry yeah honestly um didn't know this was gonna happen because this is not in the movie all you see in the movie is that he regrets yeah so chapter 44 eleanor looks at him with horror (laughs) and immediately turns to leave and i was like good as she should and then he begs her for 30 minutes of her time and says that his business is only with her and eleanor's like "Hmm." i love that eleanor's gut reaction is shut this down yeah she's like i'm not interested no thank you nice try honestly i get why he came though i just 
I don't feel like he's redeemed in my eyes. Like, I don't. I don't think so either. Like, I think that they don't feel he's redeemed. They just feel sorry for him. I don't even feel sorry for him. Oh, no, the consequences of his own actions. Like, I don't care. Yeah, like, let's not forget the fact that he, like, impregnated this girl in poverty and then was like, I will not marry that girl. Yeah. Oof. He, like, doesn't even really explain himself on that account either. He's just like, yeah, "Yeah, I just didn't want to marry her. Like, (laughs) I know. And I'm like, and he doesn't take care of her at all. You know? No child support. He's a terrible father. We'll get there. We'll get there. So, uh, Eleanor notices that he is very, very drunk and that he somehow found out that Marianne is sick. And his reason for coming is basically to make them understand what he did. And I was like, Huh. Because he leaves, at the point of him leaving, he hears that she's dying. Yeah. And he doesn't, he's not drunk when he leaves. He's drunk on the way. He, like, does a little pit stop. Yeah, he does a pit stop. <laughs> Takes, like, six shots, and then he's like, all right. Yeah, I can have this all that port. <laughs> yeah, I was like, okay, Willoughby. So, Willoughby says that he's been in debt since he came of age. Like, this, at this point, I'm like, does Willoughby not have parents He's just, like, wild. He's Yeah. Because no one seems to be raising him or looking out for him at all or ensuring that he's, like, got a good role model. Like, he basically has just been allowed to do whatever he wants. And I don't think he has... I don't think his parents are around. Yeah, they never mention his Or they don't have well. any money because all his money is coming from, like, distant cousins. Yeah. Like, I'm pretty sure he's already spent off whatever money is from his parents whether they're alive or not yeah well he's like massively in debt basically well i mean look at the way that he acts everything he does is so impulsive yeah like he gave marianne a horse and marianne's like i literally cannot have a horse and he's like "Mm, but i am giving it to you so so willoughby said that he wanted marianne to care for him but he never planned to feel the same way and then ultimately, though, he did plan to care for her. So basically, his game and, like, what gets this dude off is he likes making women fall in love with him and then never feeling anything for them and leaving. Okay, but then the problem was is that he actually fell in love with her. Yeah, but I'm just like, what kind of maniacal person just has, like, joy in making people fall in love with them? someone as arrogant as john willoughby (laughs) apparently like literally though right he was planning to become engaged to marianne but then his cousin his distant cousin mrs smith learned of him getting someone pregnant right so she then immediately dismisses him from her favor and from her house and he's like oh i need money like i need to have an income right but she says I'll give you the money if you marry the girl that you got pregnant. And he and goes, he's like, nah, son. No. <laughs> Literally. Just a terrible, terrible person. He sucks. So, yeah. And then he's like, well, Marianne has no money, so can't do that. So he leaves Marianne. And then even though he had just been planning to propose the day before. Right. And then he also says that um, while he's in... T- he was in town in London the entire time since he got dismissed from Mrs. Smith's house. So he got every single letter and he's like, I was too pained to respond to them. And I'm like, you think you were in pain? You were in pain. 
But he doesn't think about how his actions hurt other people. I know. He's just incredibly selfish. Right. I, I laughed at him being like, I was there the whole time you guys were there, and I saw you all the time. I just kept hiding places. Yeah. <laughs> and I like to picture him, like, running into a shop, and then he's in, like, <laughs> like a women's clothing store or Literally. something. <laughs> you know, and they would, like, pick up the newspaper like they were reading it, but it's upside down. Kind right. Of thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he he's says in a he trench li- coat. <laughs> <laughs> he says he literally waited to- and made sure they left one day before he um, left his card to say that he was in town. And he's like, oh, must have missed you somehow. <laughs> How weird. <laughs> and then um, after the entire dance thing that happens, Willoughby says his soon-to-be wife was super jealous of Marianne. And the, that's the reason that he sent Marion such a hateful letter. Is well, because she wrote it. Yeah, she wrote it word for word and made him copy it so that it was in his own handwriting. And <laughs> yeah. Which is some crazy paranoid girls. <laughs> literally, literally, like he's literally living at their house with her all the time she knows his every location and she's still worried that he's gonna leave her like homie's broke he's not marrying you out of love he's marrying you for your money like he's not gonna leave you right <laughs> so i don't know why she's so insecure marianne is absolutely broke so i don't know i don't know and then willoughby alludes and he like talks trash about his wife here and then he it's apparently they He's don't get along. So unhappy. So yeah. unhappy. And um, yeah. So he's talking trash about his wife, and Eleanor's like, Yeah, please don't do that. Like, that's your wife. Like, tell me what's important to the story. Yeah. <laughs> you still got married, so Yeah. Eleanor's like, that's not my problem, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Her sass is actually pretty good. I know it's really fire. It's not as sassy as Pride and Prejudice, but no, but I still love it. Like th- these are very, very different books, and it makes me happy. Yeah, I can't wait to, to like to compare them finally. Now that you've done both, <sighs> yes. So Sir John was actually the one that told Willoughby that Marianne was dying, and because they like happened to run into each other, and Sir John was like trying to give Willoughby a, wa- a talking to, and then like started to pity him. <laughs> I love him because he, he like wants to be around them because Lady Middleton wants someone as fancy as Miss Gray as like their yeah. acquaintance. But he, Sir John is like, you did a bad thing. Yeah. And I'm going to give you shade for it. And then suddenly I'm going to feel too bad about it because I'm way too nice of a person. <laughs> what is that movie? There's a movie where it's like um, this guy... I think he like runs a shop or something and he's tries to be like really like a hard guy but everyone knows he's really soft but they pretend to like respect him and everything do you know what i'm talking about or no no okay i can't remember much of the movie okay twitter (laughs) twitter if anyone remembers what i'm talking about just like tweet me the movie and i'll tell you if you're correct or incorrect because i don't remember and it's not robin williams in stardust i'm thinking of a different one flubber no it's not robin <laughs> i'm saying it's not robin williams specifically i'm just trying to i'm just <laughs> i don't remember what movie this is someone's gonna be like fight club and i'll be like i've never seen it okay 
I still need to see that movie. It's not Fight Club, trust me. Whatever. That wasn't it much to matter. go off on. I know, I know. I can't remember anything else about this movie. Like, I am getting, like, vague memories of, like, the scene, but I can't describe it well enough to tell you what it is. Whatever. It's fine. It doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> watch it have been a book. And I just imagine the entire scene in my head. And that's why I can't picture any of the actors. Yeah, I definitely don't know. It doesn't matter. It's fine. We're moving on. We're moving past it. (laughs) So Willoughby is now leaving and asks if Eleanor thinks better of him um, now that she knows everything. And Eleanor says that she does. And I'm like, Eleanor, no, we don't. We do not think better of Willoughby. He's still a trash bag. It's good to know that he actually loved Marianne. I mean, it is good to know, but I also just don't care. Like, you're still a dirtbag at the end of the day. I mean, if you think about it, though, like, if I'm Marianne, I want to know that... It wasn't all in her least, head, probably. Yeah, it wasn't, like, all in her head. She wasn't... Because she's, like, going crazy. Yeah. can't figure out where it went wrong. And now she's like, oh, I get it. I mean, yeah. this is Eleanor. Marianne doesn't know, but, you know... I think everyone just wants an explanation and at least they have that. So they're like at peace with the idea of they know what happened. Yeah, true. They're enough. not, I mean, it's not like honorable. Yeah. But a lot of people married for money. So him being kind of a, a gold digger in this situation isn't really that frowned upon. It's just unfortunate. Yeah. But like everyone's like, oh, poor Willoughby. And I'm like, meh. I mean, it's, it is sad in a sense that he can't just be with someone that he loves, but he makes that decision. Yeah, I think it's sad that basically he was raised in such a way that he, this is how he turned out. Like, these are absolutely the consequences of his own actions, but like, he got to this point of just thinking he has no consequences, you know, sleeping with girls, making them fall in love with him. And then he finally finds one that loves him. And he's so far down this path that now he's in incredible debt. He has to marry for money to actually just pay off some of his debt and get his life together. Basically, this is a chain of his own mistakes. Yeah. A chain reaction of his own mistakes. Yeah. I mean, you feel bad for him because... He, you feel bad because this is his own fault. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think that you have to pity him in a sense. I don't think he's redeemed. No, I don't think so either. I think it's just like, oh, okay, I see what happened. Not how I would have picked it, but in the end, everyone thinks this is a better decision anyway, that she doesn't end up with him. Yeah. And then he also says that he's dreading Marianne's future marriage. And I'm like, homie, you've got no right. You're already married. So he has like a moment too, where he like really rags on his wife. Like, I think he like hopes to. He says something about like becoming a widower and then him and Marianne yeah. might be able to be together. And Eleanor's or like, like at one no. point being free, which is like alluding to the fact that like, I can't wait till she dies. Yeah. He's like, what if I like <laughs> slipped her poison? And I'm like, buddy, what is wrong with you? He's just very um, impulsive. Yeah. Like, he basically met Miss Gray and married her within, like, three months. He literally just went around and was, like, looking for a sugar mama. Yeah. I mean, no shame, but 
a little bit of shame when you kind of promise your heart to someone else. He didn't promise her his heart. Semantics. I know, I know. I'm, I mean, I'm in agreement with you. I understand why they pity him. But at the end of the day, to be like him, no. No. Do not like I mean, him. I think that's how everyone's feeling at this point. Like, yeah, he kind of sucks. <laughs> yeah, honestly. Thank you all so very much for listening to this episode of the Bailey Bookish Podcast. Just to kind of talk a little bit more about the D&D campaign, um, it is a beginner campaign. There will be two people that are new, which one being myself and then also Nova, who you may remember from the Fahrenheit, Fahrenheit 451 episodes. Uh, we both have never played D&D before, so it's very, um, not user-friendly, but like new people-friendly, I guess. Um, it'll be a great learning campaign. I'm very excited about it. It's inspired by the Acquisitions Inc. Um, game. If you know that much about D&D, I don't really know that much about it, but that's who, where it's inspired by. It'll be free to watch on Thursday. Um, I just, I'm super excited. I've made kind of a fun character. I hope you guys will like it if you do end up checking it out. Um, also, I will be watching chat, so you want to say hi and you want to just like say like what's up i'll see the chat it's gonna be fun um and then our book club read we will probably start reading um on this upcoming monday so if you want to join now's a great time to join um if it does end up being priory of an orange the orange tree of an orange tree i'll learn that name for sure next time but i don't actually remember if it's of and or if it's the but I, I'm sure you guys know what I'm talking about um it's gonna be a long one so you can hop in and join us at any time if that's what it ends up being it's leaning towards that but we will see how the votes lay out tonight as of recording this and then tomorrow when this episode actually comes up I will announce the uh, official title that we're reading um, over on Instagram and on Twitter, so you can check over there and you will know for sure what we're reading. But I think that's all I've got for you guys this week. It's been a good week. It's uh, a lot of great things are happening. A lot of good things are going in show, going into the fire, all that good stuff. I'm very excited. I'm really hoping you guys will enjoy this. Um, just also, we have uh, the merch store if you haven't checked that out yet. Um, you can go to barelybookish.com slash merch and it'll direct you on over to there. Or you can go to the barelybookish.com website and there's links to everything that you could possibly need there. So, yeah, that's all I've got. Um, our theme song was made by Raphael Crux. Our logo is by my little sister Sarah. And I will catch you guys in the next episode where we will finish Sense and Sensibility officially. Bye!